Welcome to On the Table, a podcast about board games, card games, and tabletop war games. All right, welcome back to On the Table Gaming. Uh, I'm Chase. And I'm Josh. And we're ready to talk some more about A Song of Ice and Fire. And specifically, we both just got back from PAX Unplugged in uh, Philadelphia. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, Josh, I know it's been a few days here, but I'm actually still tired. We had some, we had some late nights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of, lot, of, uh, lot of key forge, a lot of uh, Song of Ice and Fire, a lot of long tournaments, long days. You know, I had a blast, and I went down there. We, got to, we both got to play some of Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, oh, yeah. I jumped in in a Star Wars Legion tournament on Friday, and mm. uh, we got to, you got to get some magic in. Yep. And yep. Uh, plenty of key forge as well. Lots of keyforge, definitely. A lot of, and then I think one of the cool things too about PAX is just like wandering around that vendor hall. It was so uh, expansive, and just like you name it, it was there. You know, all the big games, but even like tons of like little publishers, just like you know, demoing stuff that isn't even out yet. It was, it was honestly, it was really, it was a really fun time. It was cool. I got to bump into some of the guys one of my buddies works for, uh, Panda Games, and uh, he wasn't down at the booth, but uh, he's up in Montreal and. And uh, he had some of his pals there. So it's cool to stop by and see them. So shout out to Panda Games. But I think the big thing, right, I was there. I wanted to see the Song of Ice and Fire set. So, you know, what did you think of the setup that Simon Games had there? Well, so the the vendor hall upstairs is this massive, like, airplane hangar room. And, you know, you walk in and there's 10 zillion vendors there. And right in the front door, basically, like, as soon as you walk in, you can't miss it. It's like at the entrance, the Simon booth with like this giant area for demos and a big banner and one whole wall uh, along the backside was just all giant Song of Ice and Fire banner. So and, it was pretty cool to see it represented so and, heavily, like right in a prominent place. And can I just throw out there, it wasn't just a giant a Song of Ice and Fire wall display that they had. It was a wall display of the Lannister guards <laughs> right there. I walked in, I was like, these are my people. They get oh, me. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah yeah and, and you know they had stuff for sale there they were selling some stuff in and sold out actually of the night's watch uh on day one so friday it was gone so it was like flying off the shelves there which is also a good sign honestly no i haven't been to a lot of conventions and i was surprised just at how much how much ground simon games was covering at the at the convention here so they oh, had yeah. that display area and there was a bunch of demo tables. And then down in the miniature, like the, the tournament hall, uh, they were kind of off on their own side. So they had plenty of space. And, yep. they, you know, they had a ton of, a ton of other a Song of Ice and Fire mats. They're going doing demo games. Really, really, they've gone, uh, you know, all out for this. Yeah. I mean, basically, like when you walk into the downstairs miniatures area, it's, it's called, I think they called called the miniatures area, but that was like, that's where like the magic tournaments were. That's where Legion, X-Wing, Star Wars Destiny. It's like a tabletop tournament area. Yeah, exactly. Anybody's playing any sort of organized play. I mean, I think they even did like Carcassonne tournaments down there. Fireball Island had <laughs> like a tournament that, there. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but yeah, like Simon was like, if you walk in and just immediately turn left, it's like the first set of tables there. So like they were, you know, literally as close to the entrance in both cases as you could get. So it was really cool to see them in like a, you know, kind of a prime location and demoing the game. And, and honestly, the demo table seemed full the entire time. And it seemed like everybody that was there playing was was really enjoying it. So it was, it was cool. It was cool to see, like, you know, new players for the first time. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I thought one thing that was cool is like, getting to interact with some of the CMON employees or the volunteers. They were so nice. And, yeah. you know, man, I, I, my, I tip my hat to them because I walked by uh, multiple times. Every time I had a break from something, if I wasn't already at the CMON booth, I just walked by just to see what's going on. Are people playing with the miniatures? What do they seem to be responding to the most? 
And uh, mm-hmm. every time I went by, the CMON employees were there to give them their demos, and they were like smiling and being super nice and patient. Um, yeah. And you know that that's a that takes a special sort of someone to go over like the same rule, yeah. and rules like <laughs> that's a long times. <laughs> so you know, man, I'm super impressed and it, really cool. We got to talk to uh, Sean uh, Jackman, the marketing coordinator for CMON Games, yes. and he even yeah. took some time to to do an interview with us. And so we're working on processing that video and hopefully getting it out. He was so nice, and he really was, um, yeah. you know, he went through talking about how you know, so he's coming from the marketing coordination sort of side of things, and just talking about how you know, really the sales have been they're doing a lot of pushing this this material out there, and and uh, things are selling out. Night's Watch yeah. sold out. They had a huge stock on the shelves, and I kind of waited to the last day, and I was like, ah, oh, you know, I'm going to pick something up, and I went back there, and they had gone through most of the supply they had. And yeah. Yeah, I think the only thing they had kind of in abundance at that point was like the Lannister Heroes box, but they had gone yeah. through all their like <laughs> almost all their halberdiers, all the sworn uh, swords, uh, the Outriders, the uh, Brotherhood. Uh, what is it? The the basic Night's Watch unit called? Um, they're, they're definitely not called the Brother. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I'm thinking like of that. I'm wishful sworn thinking. Brothers, sworn brothers, brothers, sworn brothers. Okay. So you know they they people those are going hot off the shelves, and yeah. uh, I think. I really do think that maybe the Night's Watch was what some people were waiting for because yeah. so many people were like, they'd see the tale for the first time. And they'd be like, oh, Song of Ice and Fire, like, where's Jon Snow? And he'd be like, oh, that, that's that guy right there. And they'd be like, oh, cool, I want to play that. Yeah. Um, well, there was something about them. I think, you know, I, I think we talked a lot about, you know, while we were there, obviously, we had a long drive uh, from Connecticut to Pennsylvania. But, you know, we talked a lot about, like, you know, what we thought of, you know, what we thought going down and then coming back about, you know, what we saw there, what we thought worked really well, like what what are people looking for in this game? And I think one of the things we came away with was it seems like a new faction and being able to buy in like just, you know, just the one faction and some add-on units also is people are excited by like new mechanics and something kind of different and out there. And I think it's, you're really starting to see some traction with some of the other starter boxes and, and uh, people started to get invested in a new faction. I think you know, free folk, we're going to see that again. And hopefully, you know, down the road with whatever factions next, hopefully it's Baratheons, uh, you know, then we're going to see the things pick up all over again. And it's just going to be, it's really awesome to see people so excited about something new. Absolutely. And I guess that's the one thing I realize now. It's like, I think in the big picture, the game is doing really, really well. So now it's like, okay, you know, how do I build up the scene around where I live? You know, that's the next question for us to think about. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how do you get the game going locally? So, I mean, I think obviously the first thing is to do is to run demos of the games to get people to see the game in action. Or even yeah. if you you oftentimes, you know, we have this thing where we'll oftentimes even just play at my house. Well, maybe just meeting up and making sure you're playing at a store so other people see it in action. Mm-hmm. Maybe down the line we want to make a, a Let's Play video for A Song of Ice and Fire. Um, but certainly if you're listening to the podcast, think about, you know, um, how you can get it out there doing demos. If you want to make content or support a Song of Ice and Fire content, you know, do that. There's great guys like Peacekeeper Games. Carl, you know, he's doing an awesome job. We'll talk more about him later. You know, Mike Meeple, the Albanesis brothers who run a Song of Ice and Fire Builder.com. You know, all those guys, friends of the show, they're really they're 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 really working hard to put out stuff for a Song of Ice and Fire, you know, supporting them. Or if you think you can do it better, you know, we certainly are audio recording problems we've had. If you think you can do it better, like get out here and start making stuff yeah. too. I mean, this isn't a, there's no scarcity, right? People are, are dying to have more content. They want to get involved. They want to talk about the game more. So if you have a way to help facilitate that discussion or add to it, go for it. Definitely. 
Yeah, I think I think that's that's really important to mention is like somebody was asking on the Facebook channel the other day, like, you know, hey, are there any other uh, podcasts to listen to? Because, of course, you've got, you know, Michael Chanel's podcast. He's a great one to listen to because he, you know, makes the game. So he's got a very unique insight. Then you've got On the Table Gaming, which is what you're listening to right now. But then that's kind of it. So there was a guy making a Song of Dice and Fire. Is that what it was? Yeah, Song Song of Dice and Fire. Yep. It seems like though, like that maybe he stopped uh, sometime back in like August. So he hasn't really made an episode in quite a while. So I don't know if he's still interested in doing it or not. So it's honestly it's wide open for more content creators to to put stuff out there. I have seen that um, Guerrilla Games is doing ha, has done a few more uh, battle reports, and they usually do pretty uh, high production value stuff. And I think that's you know that's definitely our next step is putting together some battle reports and getting some games filmed in on YouTube because I think people would really uh, like to see some of that stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, we went down there. We we didn't play in the beginner tournament. We had some other competing events going on there. We thought, you know, let's really save it for the uh, the expert tournament. Um, yeah. I, pro- I probably should have, given my results, I probably should have played. Oh, in the my tournament. gosh. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's yeah. talk about the expert tournament and, uh, sure. you know, what our thoughts were on the format. And before we do this, um, I, I, I might have said the name wrong earlier. It's Carl Kirstein, I think, or Kirsten. Karstein. Karstein. I keep wanting. Honestly, I want to say Carl Karstark. So That's we're gonna good. we're gonna try and get him on the uh, the podcast next week. So sorry, Carl. We just called him Carl when we were there. Um, he's <laughs> super amazing. This guy volunteered to TO the game, uh, the yeah. the tournament, and he's the guy from Peacekeeper Games. So if you've if you've seen those cool arcs, that's the guy making those. So make sure you check out those maneuver uh, movement arcs from uh, Peacekeeper Games. And he actually provided them for the tournament. And you know, I'm so glad that he. Uh, sent us a review copy earlier that we tested out because I got a little bit familiar with them, and I thought it was super helpful to have those at the tournament. And I can see why at that level, it's just it's a great add-on to have. And there were times yeah. when we didn't need to use it, but there were certainly times when it was like this really matters. Use the arcs. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it definitely you know pivoting a unit like turning a square perfectly on a central axis, you know, just like freehanding. I mean, people's aptitude for being able to do that varies significantly, right? And so a tool like that just takes all the guesswork out of it and just makes it so that, you know what, there, there's no ambiguity here. I'm slapping this thing on, I'm turning perfectly in place, and, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, any potential advantage or disadvantage given by, you know, rotating, right? Because you don't want to move forward when you're rotating, but sometimes right. that happens if you're just not paying right. very close attention you're kind of like end up like doing a, a warhammer fantasy wheel as opposed to a, a, a rotation so you know it was really awesome carl did an awesome job to to owing and uh the cool thing was he's like a super chill dude and very knowledgeable so it just mm-hmm. had like a really fun atmosphere and and yeah. what surprised me was that we had such a wide range of skill in the tournament um, mm-hmm. It was the expert tournament, but there were literally some players there who had learned to play on Friday, loved the game so much, and they were yeah. like, you know what? We're going to go for it. And yeah. uh, actually, one of them took a round off me early on. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, I, can't, I can't sleep on these guys. Um, oh, yeah. Now, and I think that says something about the game in that it's, it's really one of those cool, like, easy to pick up but hard to master um, sort of situations. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually also lost to one of the other guys. It was it was one of those things where, you know, I'm explaining to the game and then he kicks my butt with something. And I was like, son of a gun. I shouldn't. You know, I yeah, <laughs> I should have gone like, you know, what you want to do is turn around and run away right. off of the board. That's a good strategy generally. So the the formatting was is different than kind of the other uh, tournaments that I've done for miniature games. So right. in this case, yeah. we showed up and there were pre-made armies. 
Right. So each table was set up with a force that was uh, balanced in points and tried to be as balanced as possible in actual unit composition so that one side didn't clearly have a favorability over the other. And that, so that was really different. So, you know, what was your initial thoughts on that? Well, I think, you know, that that was the intention, right, was to have them be as close as possible. I, I would say from a theme perspective, they got a lot of different cool stuff in there. I definitely think that there was some stuff that was like, you know, a lot better at that point value than others. You know, the Night's Watch seemed to be like really performing well on the table in, in pretty much all instances. But, you know, it's a it's a point based game. So, you know, so, so people were able to do, you know, I think Don, was Don Shelkey, right, was the yeah. victor in the uh, tournament. So, so, I mean, even with, you know, quote unquote, bad lists, he was able to pull off wins even when he was getting tabled in combat because he was able to just play the points. Right. And so for sure, there was some, you know, I, I got two really bad draws <laughs> in my in my one of which was against you. Right? Well, I was yeah, like, I was all sworn swords, basically. Uh, I had, what is it, three units of Sworn Swords and a unit of Outriders. And one of the Sworn Swords had the attachment for, uh, it was the Great John, and then the commander was Rob, so I had a, a wolf out there as well. Uh, was it, was that, did I have three units of Sworn Swords? I felt like I had four units on the table. Maybe I had five. It was three units of Sworn Swords and a Outrider, I believe. And yeah. a wolf? And a wolf, yeah. And then I had um, uh, Catelyn Stark. And then you had the big eight-point unit. Was the Night's Watch The, the Night's Watch Veterans. You know, led by Jon Snow, you had the horsemen, you had the two units of the Sworn Brothers, and then you had, was it Aemon, or did you have... I had Aemon for the healing, yeah. For the healing, yeah. And so they actually let you, on some of the armies, you'd have, like, two NCUs of equal value, and you could choose which one you want. And I think yep. that's one spot where knowledge of the game mattered, because yep. there were certain lists that the NCU, you get, like, a choice between the two... But I think there was like a much more logical choice out of one of them. And so if you're a newer player and you're like, ah, oh, whatever, I'll take this one. Oh, yeah. uh, it's like, oh, you really kind of wanted the healing when you had this unit composition or, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, um, and, for sure. And I think Carl did a really good job of making them like somewhat balanced armies. And I think there may be one or two that people were kind of were debating. But I think what ended up happening, and I realize now, is that you can have two armies that cross from each other that are balanced in some faction or in some way. But we did um, – each round was a different scenario in the book. Right. And what I realized is that some of the factions um, did not adapt to certain scenarios. So what I felt yeah, like some was – some of those lists for sure. Exactly. Definitely. So on your – on uh, the game we played, the two armies facing off, what was the scenario? It was Game of Thrones, the, the first yeah. scenario. Yeah. And I realized right off the start, I was like, oh, my gosh. On this particular scenario, if I can just get to the point first – the way the scenery was, but also just really the scenario, it's going to be very hard for you to dislodge me, and right. you're going to be fighting an uphill battle. Whereas with, with if, healing, yeah, because it's like right. the first person to get to three points, if you can just sit on those three points, to, yeah. in a game to eight, it's over very quickly. Right. Whereas um, if that had been some of the other modes, like I think that would have made maybe a little more challenging for me. So yeah. I think that was where the, like that wild card came in, where it was like, oh, like you might have a compounding factor that makes it like incredibly difficult for, difficult for you on that round. Yeah. Well, so like I played, we played, uh, when we played Feast for Crows, which is the, uh, the big like sort of panic check, um, mm -hmm. uh, match. I was running three units of Lannister guards, one of which had, uh, Gregor Clegane in it, like the attachment. Mm -hmm. The other had Jamie as the commander. And then I had Lannister halberdiers, like one unit of halberdiers. And he had two units of berserkers. And then he had, oh gosh. And he had like a, uh, he had the wolf. Like basically my panic 
tests like never happened. I had never had a chance gotcha. at, at, at firing off on that. So it was like, it was definitely like right away. Like, Oh man, this was like, this would have been a good draw and maybe a different game mode where I'm just trying to get on a point and hold right. it. But in this one, it's like, Holy cow, this is like a really bad draw in the very first round. And even my last round I had the, um, was it clash of Kings, right? It was the, the yep. third. So then when we played that one, uh, I ended up having, you know, he won the roll off to go first and he was playing Night's Watch and I was playing Lannisters and I just had all infantry. So I had like two units of mountains, men, two units of guards, I think, or maybe one guard, one Lannister, uh, one halberdier. But then since he got to go first, he was able to take the maneuver space to move his uh, veterans to one point, run his cavalry to take the center point, And then the game's like half over, you know right. what I mean? In, in turn two, it's like, and he had so much recovery. I think he recovered something like 16 plus wounds, you know, with, with Amon taking the, yeah, it was just like one of those things where like, geez, Louise, like it, it definitely, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, I can't wait to bring my own list. Cause like right. some of these, like just the game mode combined with the list really created a, a, a difficult uphill battle. Yeah, man. I think, you know, so we play a lot. And I think one of the things is like, I, you know, we start to kind of know each other's play style Um, so, you know, we play, we're really familiar with each other. Um, and then when I got to my, the last round for me was against Don Shelke and man, that was the best game of a song of ice and fire I have played yet. And like, I left that round just so jazzed. I was like, Oh my God, this game is amazing. Um, and I learned. First of all, first of all, hey, by the way, just because oh no, the no, best no, you, game you've ever played. No, well, you know, excuse me. I think we played some good games. Um, oh, so thanks. Jay. If anyone doesn't, if, if, <laughs> for those of you out there that maybe you're going to have the privilege of playing against or uh, you know seeing Don Shelkey in a tournament. So this mm-hmm. guy is not only like a super depositive guy. He's like also really chill and fair. Like we were setting up for the scenario, and he's like, hey, you know what? Like on this scenario, we have the objective down. Uh, we're placing scenery. And uh, with the way the scenario is laid out, like, let's all agree that we know where the points are going to be. Let's not put down impassable terrain because literally uh, in, in this in this tournament, we actually weren't switching sides of the table. And I think that right. was one of the big things. And so it was one, you know, a bunch of long tables and it was kind of a pain to be like, OK, we're just going to switch sides like if you choose. But yep. if you don't have that rule, you can actually set the, tr- the terrain up to be really advantageous. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. So he was just like, hey, like we both recognize this. Let's set the terrain up in a way that is going to make the game good and isn't like completely negating someone's opportunity to get out. So this is a guy who like starts the round with me, making it as on equal footing as possible. Then we start right. the game up, and he is thinking so fast. He's like, you know, he's not he's not one of those people who like sits there and like strokes the chin and is like, hmm, what to do next? He's just like, oh, yeah, moving him here, and then moving him here, and like then I'm doing this, and I don't want to play this card. And yeah. I know I'm just hanging on onto his coattails, trying to like keep in the game. And it came down to just like uh, just really, really close ending. Uh, we're at, well close in that I had to kill this one unit that he positioned, and he and he ended up you know blocking my charge lanes, and I had some cool like sideways retreats. But man, I this guy, <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing what he does on like the uh, on the the Song of Ice and Fire competitive circuit because I think he's really pushing for that. Oh, definitely. Well, so he played, I mean, he, he played the beginner tournament and the expert tournament and even the Un- bring the painted. Yeah. Tournament. So, yeah, I mean, definitely he's, it seems like he's trying to get as much experience as possible. And, you know, for those of you that are going to go to Adepticon, Adepticon, I believe he's going to be there as well. So, you know, I would say he's an early favorite to, uh, you know, crush some dreams uh, <laughs> in that, in that but, event. But at the very least, if you get to play with him, like watch some of the stuff he's doing. Uh, yeah. And the way he's interpreting the rules and seeing like combos, there's some really great stuff. 
Uh, he had a, you know, kind of a. Oh, don't blow, don't blow up his spot about the tactics deck. That's oh, a oh, secret. That's a secret. Mechanic. I won't share that one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. That's we a secret. Wanna, we maybe we we'll get him on the podcast. Sauce. Yeah. He's, no, no. he's got a, he's got a <laughs> trick, guys. He's got a, something really good. Um, yeah. But even like smaller things, he was saying like uh, there was a, a one table that had a, a Gregor Kugain where the you know the, he has to always charge, and he was like, oh well, then like I always just measure my wolf on the other side as a Stark to be uh, exactly at the edge of his charge range. So if they want to get him, he has to roll a six to get him. So the mountain's like constantly chasing after this wolf, and he's just like kind of leading it, perfectly measuring, leading him all the way to the corner of the table. And I'm like, that's yeah. just mean. <laughs> like, that's yeah. it's well, so he's good. Not a mean guy, he's not though. mean, no, yeah, but I'm like, like what, definitely... a, what a dastardly tactic, though, right? Because you're like, get that <laughs> right. wolf, go get it. Like, you know, yeah, so good. No, he, was a, he was a super cool guy and like a very, very nice guy. And, you know, I, I definitely, even if you were on the receiving end of those tactics, he'd like, you know, you'd still come away going, like, you know what? That he's a straight shooter, that he, he, he <laughs> that really done. Yeah, no, he was so cool. And I said mean, I meant like, as in like, what a what a crazy oh, tactic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he was so nice. And uh, man, I just learned a lot. And so, you know, without giving away too much about his tactics and style of play, um, you know, he's all about the objective. And it, and it is an objective-based game. You know, I, I never really thought of that. Like, I always thought like, well, if I kill a unit, that's good. Like, right? And so I'm trying to kill units. But he'll be like, well, if it's not advantageous for me to kill a unit, if it's going to slow me down to get an objective, like, no. Like, I don't need to yeah, do that. Secondary. And I, I'm using my units to block charge lanes, to tie things up. And right. uh, he's just playing the game like in such a different way that, uh, you know, I just I really, really, you know, I learned a lot. So right. hats off to him. we got to get him on the podcast at some point. And yeah. Uh, well, we out. wanted to interview him right after the, the right after the event, but then it seemed, you know, they were like, we literally shut the place down. We were there so late that right. like Simon was getting kicked out. So like we had to like just pack up and go really quickly. But um, definitely, I think we should get Don on the on the. Cause I, you know, he's got a lot of great opinions about the game, a lot of great information about you know better ways to play. And so, you know, I think he'd be a great resource for the community to just like hear like, okay, here's like, you know, you've got your sort of like first level of thinking about how to play. Here is you know a guy who's already thinking about like level two of of, of like you know here's the strategy for uh, you know tactics cards and moving your units around. So yeah, so you know, first tournament expert level, I you know, I had a lot of fun. Criticisms, you know, and I think you mentioned this earlier when we were driving back. It was how many rounds? It was four. Four rounds. Yeah. What do you think? Could have been three. One too many, Chase. That's One what I many. would say. It was a long. It was long. I mean, we got out of there at like twelve thirty midnight, and we yeah. started at six. I mean, it's. Fa- I think it's a fairly standard amount of games, but I think that. You know, because you played the Legion tournament the day before, right? right? Yeah. Uh, and that was also because I mean, what, gosh, what were you there from like four to eleven or yeah, something? four to eleven thirty? I mean, that was crazy. But that was are, even longer, right? 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 Um, yeah. it's just, it, but it still feels like it's a, it's a really long time. And I've had this with like X Wing events too before, where like you know, we when we played like regionals and you know you play, gosh, I think it was like seven games or something like that. You know, that is a long day and especially like you know games finish at different times right so if you finish early uh you know that can really stink like i had a uh, you know i was playing in a magic tournament earlier that day and like my opponent didn't show up so it's like i had been kind of smashed in my first game my opponent didn't show up in the second game so there was like a ton of downtime and so that's one of the only problems with like when you're playing these like long like six hour tournaments is that Gosh, I mean, like if you if you get finished early or it's not going great, it's like you gotta still wait around for a long time. So I think I think one less round for me would have been preferable. But I think a lot everyone was still having a good time, so it wasn't it wasn't bad. It was just like I think that one less would have been more fun. The other thing is like 
I almost think uh, I'm looking forward to bringing my own armies. Yeah. Uh, but this mode, um, although I think it was frustrating for some people at some times, what a great mode for like a beginner tournament. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's nobody sitting across me being like, well, here's my thing. It's like this impossible defense thing I've made of all these things. Yeah. Nope. It's like, here's what you get. Like who plays this better? Let's go. Yes. Like, yeah. Uh, and sometimes on a scenario, it means maybe the army you have is like, maybe it's at a disadvantage, but like, okay, yeah. how do we work out of this? Uh, and it took a lot of the pressure off. Like, I feel like everyone was just kind of like laughing, having a good time. And like, I just felt like everybody there like loves this game, loves the song of ice and fire and was, and was just having a great time. Well, it's hard to take a loss personally when, you know, you didn't make the list. You're just right. like, well, you know, yeah, that's a good I, point. I got, I kind of drew the short straw here, so it is what it is. You know right. what I mean? Like, right. I, I'll admit like I, there was, I got a little salty brought by the end with like my, when I had like the kind of a, a third bad draw, but you know, I was still having a lot of fun. It was still just like, you know, but it was just one of those things where I was like, you know what? I mean, this is still, I didn't have to bring a whole bunch of stuff. Like, you know, because lugging, you know, that giant miniatures case through a, a convention hall right. is not super fun. And I mean, right. our, our hotel was like close to the venue, but it was still like, you know, a couple blocks of bringing this stuff around and you got to bring it back. It's just like, you know, if something gets damaged. So it was nice to have everything kind of ready for you there. And I think like in the early lifespan of the game, it's probably the way to go because i think a lot of people were into the fact that they were going to be able to just play with the stuff that was provided that said the next day when i saw on the table um when don was playing his painted list against someone else's painted list you know we said to you know our friend brian who was with us see how much better it looks though when it's on the table with like you know the painted stuff and like immediately it just sucks you in so much more and i i think you know, it's going to be ultimately, I think that's the future of the game is playing like, you know, constructed lists and writing right. your own stuff. And that's awesome. But I think this is also a really cool way to like, you know, give people a structured format to play in, which, by the way, cost zero dollars to enter and had incredible prize support. <laughs> Holy so, crap. I mean, how could you complain? Right. I mean, a lot of tournaments, you know, you're buying into it for X amount of dollars and maybe you win like a, a cut, like a full art card or something like that, you know. But in this case, I mean, you know, the, the winner prizes, even the participation prizes, like I came away with a bunch of stuff. Yeah, and, it, was, uh, it was great. It was amazing. They gave out some scenery, some actual plastic scenery. There was a yeah. gift certificates. It, it was amazing. And some promo stuff. And so, yeah. uh, you know, I want to throw this out there. There were um, Don Schelke and uh, some of the other winners that were you know, the top three, four people. They actually donated some material to us to give away on the channel. Yes. So we're going to be announcing. Think, some... uh, Colin was the other. Colin, uh, right. Uh, I think yeah. it's uh, uh, Red Letter Office, I think, on the Discord. You know, something so like yeah. shoot him a thanks at some point. So we're going to actually be doing some some promos here and, and raffling off and giving away some stuff. So if you've wanted to get your hands on one of those cool promo sculpts of the Lannister Guard and the Sworn Sword Captain, it's like all shiny and metallic, um, yeah. stay tuned. And we've got some scenery pieces we'll be, we'll be cycling throughout to the audience as well, which, which kind of ties us into maybe what we're, we want to talk about, you know, how we're going to be giving those out. Like what's the first thing we want to be focusing on here with scenario yeah. play? Exactly. So, so I think, you know, one of the things we also talked a lot about was like, you know, the, the five starter scenarios are great. And we really loved the idea of the battle of the whispering woods. And it just got our brains firing about, you know, scenarios, both for sort of like a theme play also for like a competitive play. Like we started thinking about, okay, well, here's some things that are done in games like War Machine or Legion. What might work well for this game also? So I, you had some ideas about that, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a lot of other game mechanics. And uh, the first one I was thinking of from War Machine that I kind of liked was that they have uh, zones. So it's not mm-hmm. necessarily a point. 
It might be a circle or a square. And so you control it by being in it, but you can have a, you can contest it by being up against the edge of it. So um, yeah. you might have a zone that could fit two units in it or, or, or three maybe. But I found like there was sometimes with this format where the pre-made lists where I might get a scenario in my favor, and I'm thinking specifically about our game, where I got my Veterans of the Watch on a point, yep. and there was a Palisade next to it, and I'm like, I realized with Amon, with Jon Snow, to, for you, the amount of resources you'd have to put in to dislodge that one particular unit, that I was I was good there. Like, I could yeah. just sit there. And then I could just yeah. focus on my other units. And I was like, man, if there's any way for you to contest that point, if I had to do something else or I had to worry about other points, like I could, you know, even ignore certain points if I can just hold the main ones, mm-hmm. um, you know, other ways to do that mechanic. And so um, War Machine has a sort of contesting zones and they have like a rectangle and you have to have like infantry take that one or the circle uh, area might be for their, their war mech. They're like their, you know, war machines or their giant monsters. And then like the solo models can touch like flags and, so maybe you could have things that like Calvary could contest but couldn't capture or, or, or uh, you know, other slightly different modes of, of uh, putting out objectives. So that's yeah. one thought. I mean, I, I like it because I think one of the things like, you know, in, in two of my games, right, at the tournament was uh, my opponent got first player. So he took the maneuver zone. So he had this like massive head start on getting to the objective, right? Because there's an odd number of objectives. Whoever gets three out of five in one mode in game of thrones or who gets to two out of three in uh you know uh, storm of swords um you know that's a that's a giant head start right and and especially with the night's watch which is both of those two games like their recovery rate makes it almost impossible to get them off the field before they hit eight points so it's like you know you're you're really fighting an uphill battle and if you don't bring the right list you're just not gonna have a chance so it i think it's a great idea to have the ability to you know, contest that zone. So it's almost like uh, King of the Hill in Call of Duty, right? Like, yeah, you've got the zone right now if you're the only team that's in there. But once I'm in there too, one of us has to go before it's considered a claimed point. And I think that might result in lower scoring games, but it's going to make it so that, you know, if you just happen to get there first, but then we're fighting over it, then it's going to really start to uh, favor a little more aggression, which I, you know, personally, I like that style. And in this game, you... um you know, you can get to there first with the object, with the tactics board. And, and you know, we kind of lock up units, so maybe it would get everybody just kind of stuck on there contesting it. But then maybe yeah. it's like who has the most units in there contesting it. or So you want to then start, like, you know, trying to fit other units or piling things in. Right. Um, right. The other thing That I'd, might also make you want to take, like, higher point units, right? Like right. a game like Infinity uh, has, like, you know, certain game modes where there's, like, sort of, like, bands across the field. And so, you know, at the end of every scoring round, they look at what are the total – you know, what's the total point value within this band? Whoever has the more points considers to be like owning that section of the field. Uh, and so that might make you consider, okay, well, I have this crummy five point unit of Stark Sworn Swords and you have a six point unit of Halberdiers, uh, you know, in this in this zone. So I'm technically you're going to win if you're just claiming it now. So I have to do something about it. Um, you know, so it, you can really have some cool interplay there and, and, and you know, kind of favor some more positioning just generally on the field as opposed to specific points. Uh, the other thing that's interesting about this game is that there's no uh, points bid. Like, you don't benefit right. from taking a smaller list in any way. And now yeah. the points are, you know, kind of small points. So if you took, like, a, a two-point or three-point bid in this, like, that's kind of significant. It's a whole NCU. Um, yeah. But I almost wondered if there would be a way to, you know, work something in like that where there's other, uh, 
You maybe can help you choose scenarios. Like you could take a smaller army, but you could choose a specific scenario. That might kind of break the game. I don't know. But um, you know what I think would be really cool, and there'd be people talking about this in the in the uh, Facebook page and on the Discord, is uh, people kind of making their own homebrew scenarios. Yeah. And, and we want to open this up then. So um, if you have a scenario that you think would work that would be cool, um, that would maybe be thematic or have a cool mechanic, um, we want you to send those in to us. So it's on the table gaming at gmail.com. Write up how your scenario plays. You can get images and make it look cool, like even better. Send it in to us. We're going to read through them, maybe pick the best one or two and play test it and give it a run. And then uh, the ones that we think are the, the best ones, we're going to send out the, the, the one who gives the best scenario that we think is the coolest and or has the best mechanic. We're going to send out a, uh, a Song of Ice and Fire promo set, the Assault yeah. Veteran and Stark uh, Sworn Sword Captain, the special yeah. like metallic ones, and right. uh, you know, kind of as our thanks. And we can get maybe some of these like fan-made scenarios compiled in one spot, and then I do a little bit of InDesign magazine-style layout stuff, and I can, I can plug that in there. And uh, have a cool like community-based scenario guide. Yeah, I think I think that's a. I mean, that can only be a good thing, right? I mean, more varied ways to play brings more people into the game. You know, gives you more options for setup for list building. Uh, maybe some more corner case units that you might not use as often are suddenly going to be very good because you're doing something completely different. So I think it's you know it's going to be awesome to see what people come up with, whether that be you know storming King's Landing or if it's defending the wall, or if it's just like a more general, you know, hey, like we just got to claim this territory, but it just works a little bit differently right. than what we've seen it's so like far. like capture the flag or something. Or, yeah, you know. yeah. So, you know, that's, and also just to clarify, like I love the scenarios in the game. Like I think they're awesome. Definitely. What we're just saying yeah. is like, we want more. Right, yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not a knock on the game as it exists. It's just that we love it so much we want to see, you know, we want to put our own spin on it. And I think... That's that's a great thing when the the community can come together and and invent new new types. I mean, I, I you know you know I'm a little bit of a magic player, you know, but uh, one of the format one of the most popular formats in magic is something that was brewed up by players, you know, completely independent of the company, which is commander. So, I mean, you know, you figure who knows maybe this will be like the go to tournament style that you guys come up with, send in, and then you know everybody will be playing your scenario. So come with your come at us with your best ideas and and may the best man win or lady. And then the last thing I want to close out here with is, you know, meeting a lot of new players that are just getting to the game and, and being around people running demos nonstop. I realize it's really important to make like a good first impression. And yeah. uh, everyone at the tournament, everyone that we played with, and everyone honestly that we met at the convention was super supportive of A Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, they were helping new players, you know, learn the ropes. And I started thinking like, you know, okay, so these people go home and they they're like, man, that game was so cool. I want to. Maybe they bought the starter set. And they go online and they jump onto the Facebook page. Maybe they look for the Discord or Reddit or the Simon Games forums, and they're just excited. And maybe they've read the rule book. Maybe they just, maybe they're waiting at the train station. They just bought the starter set and they don't. They haven't even opened the box yet, right? And right. they might be asking questions or things like that. And I started thinking, you know, what's our, uh, you know, what's our obligation as a community to these people, uh, if any? And, you know, I personally think, you know, we need to be really as supportive as we can to help grow this game. And, and if we're jumping on people uh, about asking simple questions or questions that are answered already, um, you know, the Facebook page doesn't have a great search feature. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, sometimes these people are just excited and they want to share that excitement. And if their first experience is like, oh, man, I'm so excited for this game. Like, hey, like, can you take two attachments in a unit? And if everyone's like, what the heck? Like, read the rules. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, that, that's the thing. It's like, I mean, honestly, just like you, you just want to treat people the way you would have wanted to be treated when you're coming into a new game. One of the games I play, Arkham Horror, literally the same question gets asked by every new player, which is like, do I have to buy two core sets? And right. it's like, it happens so often that it's like a, almost like a meme now. But people are still very cool about answering that question. And, th- and that's, I think, what we need to do is just to, like treat people like, like you'd want to be treated coming into the game and make sure that you know, we answer their questions. I mean, obviously, if they're being argumentative, then that's on them. But let's always try to rise above and, and just be as co- considerate, considerate as we can be uh, when we go into those interactions. Because I think that's that's something that can kind of turn a, turn a uh, you know community off from a game is, is getting a lot of like negativity and heat uh, around, even if it's not rules questions, even if people are just talking about just like, oh, I hate this mechanic or, you know, like me jokingly complaining about Lannister supremacy, you know, I'm not going to like dump on the game because like that's a mechanic that I don't love, you know, I still think the game's awesome. It's just, you have to like approach it in kind of a fun way, you know? Absolutely. And that was the thing. And, and Sean, uh, Jack, I'm in the marketing coordinator. Like he's not even like the spokesperson for this game, but when I was talking to him, just being like, Oh my God, like this guy is generally excited about this product. Like yes. that just made yeah. me more excited too. And so, you know, shout out to all those CMON employees that are working hard to make this game be successful. And, uh, and, you know, thanks to the community. You guys have been awesome. And thank you for supporting us. And, uh, you know, if you got friends who might be interested in listening to the podcast or checking us out on YouTube, please pass it along. But, you know, we're, we're just having fun playing this game just like you. And uh, we're, we're, we're working through the same problems. I know the game's really picking up. And in some places more so than others, we're trying to build our own local community. So, you know, let's just we'll keep sledging forward. And, and uh, the game's growing. And we're just happy to be part of that growth, too. Absolutely. So, so, you know, with that being said, I actually have uh, some stuff I got to go paint. I got some Night's Watch. I'm going to start getting ready. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting my miniatures on the table.